Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, Therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because this, his hour had not yet come. This is the word of, word of the Lord. Amen. You may have a seat. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, welcome to Covenant Church. Uh, kids, uh, school age, you can be dismissed uh, to the back. Um, and the stampede begins. That was impressive just now. It's like a 4440 right there. Um, <laughs> uh, let's just pray for these teachers real quick if we can. <laughs> um, uh, good morning. In case you don't know, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant. And I am really excited to be uh, with you guys this morning opening God's word. Um, as you saw uh, or heard in the reading, uh, this phrase, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. As I was studying this week, uh, today's passage in this phrase, I am the light of the world, is a hopeful phrase. It is a hopeful phrase because the light... So here in John 1, will and does overcome the darkness. But I will tell you, we see the darkness all around us. If we're honest, we see the darkness inside of us, don't we? There is just this darkness that just kind of permeates our world and our lives. And it's this hope. It's this hope of the light of the world in Jesus Christ that keeps us going. Like it really is this hope that keeps us going. And we see this light and there are times in our life and there's times in our world where this light kind of shines really bright. I think about uh, stories in my life of people that I love, that I know, that have walked through difficulty. They've walked through getting cancer. And you watch, you watch their body just wither away. And you watch them fight. But in the midst of this fight, in this withering away through this terrible disease, they still have this unmistakable hope. Friends, that is light in the midst of darkness. But even away from the extremes of sickness and death, just the every single day where you, there's been times in my life, I know for sure, where I wake up and there is not enough money in the bank account. Like, is it the first yet? When's the first going to be here? And then you go to work, and in most days at work, it's just a struggle. You have a boss like Luke who is just so mean and hard to you all the time, all these kind of things. But you go to work, and your boss is just, it just crushes your soul. 
and, and you go home and you, and you just muster all you can to get through dinner and get your kids in bed and then you just collapse. And there is this sense of just hopelessness. But then there is these times in my life where I've sent a text out to that trusted friend and said, brother, I am struggling. And you get that phone call. And in that phone call, that friend just gives you wisdom and encouragement. They give you hope. That is light in the midst of darkness. Or even your own self. When you have sinned again. When you have let yourself down or let your person down again. Or for those who battle addiction and just the way it just envelops us. And you have fallen prey to addiction again. And there is this complete sense of aloneness and darkness. But then something draws you to open God's word. Or you hear a message and you hear that phrase, but God. That we were far away, that we were dark, but the light of the world came near. There is light in the midst of darkness. And friends, this light is our greatest and our only hope. And today, here's the issue. I believe that we, 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 we believe, we affirm what we read in John 1, that the light overcomes the darkness. We would all say yes and amen and sing songs and raise hands to that truth. But sometimes it feels like the darkness is winning, doesn't it? When you look around, when you turn on the news, when you watch your kids, it seems like the darkness is winning. And if we're being really honest, many times the darkness is winning in our own lives, in our own souls, in our own hearts. That the darkness is just for some reason winning and or more appealing. We drift towards the darkness more times than we want to admit. This is why we must understand. This is why we must come again and be reminded of the light of Jesus because we are prone to drift towards darkness, right? What's the great hymn, Come Thou Found? That you are, we are prone to wonder. We're like a misaligned car, right? We just drift towards the darkness. So we need this picture. We need to see the beauty of the light of Jesus fresh every single day. And the beauty of walking through God's word, it brings us to this text today where our Savior says and declares, I am the light of the world. But what does that mean? What does it mean when he says, I am the light of the world? For us to understand this, we need to understand uh, the context, the setting, the people that he is talking to when he says this. This phrase here, I am the light of the world, is the second of the I am statements in the book of John. And see, his claim here to be the light of the world, it was made in the midst of this backdrop of another Jewish practice called the Feast of the Tabernacles. It was this great candle lighting ceremony that took place each night except on the Sabbath. See, he presented himself as the light of the world 
in this great feast with all these candles lighting up this courtyard. You remember our Christmas Eve service, right? We had all these lights lighting up the darkness. But you see, his claims to be the light of the world were much more than just allusions to this great feast, but they were actually the fulfillment of prophecy throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah 42, 6 says this. It says here, I will give you as a covenant for the people, as a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind. Isaiah 49 says this, I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. See, this, this, our servant Lord right now is declaring that he is the fulfillment, that he is the light that is here to shine forth to all the nations. And you see here in chapter 6, 7, and 8 of the book of John, we're seeing this progression of this, of this wilderness theme from the Israelites, right? Where in chapter 6, we see this kind of uh, illustration of the manna they took, God's people. Now, Jesus is the bread of life. In chapter 7, we see here this comparison of the water in the desert and the water of the Holy Spirit that truly satisfies. And now in chapter 8, we see this comparison of the pillar of fire that led the people through the wilderness and now Jesus being the light of the world. His audience in this setting could not mistake what Jesus was saying. That he was the new and better light. He was the promised Messiah, the promised light to the nations. But then there seems to be, and you heard this when Kendall was reading, almost this strange detour. I am the light of the world, he says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That right there is like a sermon in itself. It is easy to preach. It's clear. And then we get this weird detour in, in verse 13. Let's read this. He says here, So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. The Pharisees go right to like this kind of letter of the law where for the Jewish people to have something corroborated, you need another person to say this is also true. So they're saying, you're saying this, but only you are saying this, Jesus, so it can't possibly be true. By the way, to tell the Messiah, the Lord, the Alpha, the Omega, the light of the world, hey, you're wrong here, takes just a lot of boldness, doesn't it? Or a lot of foolishness, some of both. Verse 14, Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. That's key right there. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. There is this strange debate about witnesses and this and that, but what seems like this strange detour in this passage 
It's actually Jesus here shares where and what the source of his light is. And it's this right here. The way that he is the light of the world is precisely by being one with the Father. I am... I am the light of the world. This is true because where I came from and where I am going, you do not understand. This is above your pay grade. This reminds me of the book of Job. This great story of this man of faithfulness named Job where everything's taken from him. His family, his health, his resources. And there's this like 30 chapters of Job and his friends kind of complaining about God. Then God comes to the very end and says, Job, where were you when I created the world? And puts Job in his place. The same thing right here is happening. Pharisees, you don't understand. Your mind is down here. Me and my father, our ways are way up here. Let's just walk through this passage. You're going to see all the ways that Jesus talks about him and the Father. Verse 14, it says, I know where I came from and where I am going. Verse 16, but I and the Father who sent me. Verse 18, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Verse 19, you know neither my Father nor me. You would know my Father also. Verse 22, where I am going, you cannot come. Verse 23, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Verse 26, he who sent me is true. What I have heard from the Father. Verse 28, I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Verse 29, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Jesus cannot stop talking about his relationship, his union, his oneness with the Father from eternity. This is the source of him being the light of the world. It's the Godhead. And it is different, and it is separate, and it is above our ways. He's the light of the world because he comes from the Father. He speaks for the Father, and he's going to the Father and is one with the Father. It's this perfect union, this eternal union that is the light of the world. But let's keep, we're going like 10,000 feet to 5,000 feet to hopefully on the ground today. That's the big view that the Godhead is the light of the world. But what does that mean biblically? Well, you see this in the beginning and the end of the Bible, this idea of light. See, God's first, God's first creation recorded in Scripture was light. It was light. And it was this light to subdue and overcome the darkness. But also... One of God's last recorded acts in scripture is the descending of the city of Jerusalem. Listen to this in Revelation 21. It says here, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. Let me read that again and think about our, our savior for a moment. Us in our scientific world obsessed with how things work. Hear this. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. Here it comes. For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the lamb. Its lamp is the lamb. Where's that t-shirt at, right? Its lamp is the lamb. And hear this. this that lamp 
extinguishes all darkness. That lamp is not like my lamps at the house that go out every three, three or four months. That lamp never goes out. That lamp has always been. That lamp is different. It is the source of all light. That lamp is the beginning and the end. That lamp is the lamb that paid the price for our sins. And this light is beautiful. Another great picture of this is the the transfiguration that we see in Matthew 17. It's this beautiful picture of the revelation of just Jesus' intrinsic glory. His glory just coming up from him. Matthew 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. Can you imagine just seeing this? His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. You see, in Exodus 34, Moses' face also shone after speaking with God. But hear this, his brightness was only a reflection. But Jesus' face actually radiated from within because he is the light of the world. He is the source of the light. So we see here, kind of like in this big picture, 5,000 biblical sense that he is the light of the world, the source of light, the beginning, and the end. This set-apart light. But in this passage, when he says to these people, I am the light of the world, what is he saying? What is the writer here, John, trying to communicate in his gospel about Jesus being the light of the world? Well, it's helpful for us to start with the book of John itself. Listen, John, in, in this gospel and his epistles, he loves this metaphor of the light and the darkness. He comes back to it over and over and over again. And this, this metaphor, this picture, is a picture of three things. This picture of what the what the light is. So I think it was Friday or Thursday, me and Connor on the couch. One of the days where it rained really bad. And we looked out in the window and the, 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 the sky was this beautiful shade of like purple, orange, yellow, and blue. It was just, and Connor said, dad, look at the sky. And there were all these shades of the beauty of God's creation. And we're talking about today is these different shades that we could spend the rest of our lives talking about the shades of the light of Jesus. But in this passage for today, we're going to look at these kind of three objects of the light of Christ. How he is the source of life, he is the source of salvation, and the source of truth. Go to John 1, if you don't mind. It's not on the screen, so you've got to go there. I tricked you. John 1, verse 1. He says here, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, 
was coming into the world. Jesus is the source of life. Every man, woman, and child made in the image of our Savior. And this, friends, him being the source of life, this beautiful shade of the light of Jesus has huge implications for us today. This is why life is and must be precious to the follower of Jesus because he is the source of life, which gives intrinsic value to every single person that is born. This is why historically the church has always been the refuge for the forgotten, for the innocent, and for the abused. This is why we as the church care so much about the unborn. This is why we the church, when we see racial injustice, we cannot sit still and be quiet. This is why when we the church, we see the forgotten in the world, there's nobody forgotten because every person is born in the image of our Savior because Jesus is the source of life. Even different races, different economic status, different political beliefs, whatever you think, whatever you do, we cannot possibly hate because the source is the same. The image is the same. It's the image of our Savior. This is why we as Christians should hate violence. We should hate murder. We should hate death because it's the image of God. Listen, there are times, there are times that we must go to war. There are times that things must happen to stand up for the innocent and the vulnerable and put evil to death. That is true. But we as Christians should never desire for war and these mass things to happen because the image of God is true in all peoples, in all country, in every race. And we should never desire or revel in other image bearers being put to death. Our response should always be heartbrokenness. Yes, justice must happen, but we must be broken. We should not revel in violence and in death. But also, since he is the source of life, this is how people who have no regard for the things of God, this is how an atheist or an agnostic or someone who's even hostile to the things of God can do great things in this world talked to many folks before that like, well, this person does this and they don't believe in God at all. That is the beauty of having Christ as the source of life, having his image on every single man, woman, and child in this world. We have this common grace that happens for the common good where people who do not, don't know God at all can solve diseases and take up for good people and do good and right things because they have the image of God placed upon them. He is the source of life. But his light extends more than to just creation. Look at the consequences here in, in John 8 of not trusting in this light. Look at verse 24. These Pharisees kind of argued back and forth with him and then Jesus just says it right here. I told you you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Listen, friends, he is the source of life. He's also the source of salvation. He is the source of salvation. Go back to John 1 real quick. Look at verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This great light that brings life, the 
the miracle of the incarnation, the miracle of Christmas, right? He was coming into the world to be our salvation. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. We see this right here in chapter eight. But verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He adopted us into the family. He is the source of salvation, this light is. And listen, this warning from Jesus in chapter 8 here to these people, it's a great warning that rejecting the light leads to darkness. Rejecting the light leads to darkness. And yes, it leads to darkness in this world. I have seen over and over in my life and the life of others, when, they, when we walk away from the light, we walk away from the things of God, bad things happen. There are bad consequences to doing dark things. But hear this, there is a greater darkness than that. And this is tough with us being in the Bible Belt, but hear this, we've heard this a thousand times. This darkness is for eternity. This darkness is forever. There is nothing more dark or more hopeless than having the presence of God removed forever. I think back, this is almost 15 years ago now, because I'm super old, but um, there was a truly, truly dark time in my life. Not a few days, even a few weeks. There was months of my life where I was walking in unrepentant darkness unrepentant darkness, walking away. And I knew all the right things. I knew all the right answers, but I was maliciously walking away from the light. And here's what I can tell you about that season of my life. The only word I can use to describe it is just simply hopeless. I was completely alone, completely unknown, and completely hopeless. And you might be in a season right now where that is you where you're just flirting with or just out and out, just walking in the darkness. And I would encourage you today to just turn away from just the destruction of the darkness and turn towards the beauty of the light of Jesus. And here's why it's so important. Because the darkness that we experience on this earth is hard and it is not good, but it is incomparable to the darkness of hell, to the darkness of being away from the light of the world for eternity. And Jesus says here, you will die in your sins. That, friends, is hopeless. It is hopeless. But in my life, the gospel was true. Even though I walked away and I was prone to wonder, there was friend upon friend that reached out and reached out and reached out and just exposed the light to my weary soul. And after a while of being told about the light over and over again, I was brought to the end of myself. Because here, here's the thing. We live in a dark and unforgiving world. But his forgiveness is the beautiful hope of the gospel. His forgiveness is the light in the midst of darkness. In this dark world, if you mess up, 
I'm done with you. I have no time for you. That is the darkness and the lack of grace in the world. The light of our Savior, Jesus, is the light of salvation that says, I'm going to put on flesh and come near and pay the price for your darkness so that you can walk in light. That is the source of salvation. In this beautiful picture of the light of Jesus, we have he is the source of all life. He is the source of our salvation, but also he is the source of truth. He is the source of truth. His light brings truth to guide us. Go to John 8 verse 26. He says it right here. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true. Not he who sent me does truthful things or is really smart. He is truth. He is truth. He is the source of life, the source of salvation, and the source of truth. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. He is the source of truth. He lights the path to wisdom, and to truth. Go to John 3. And we see another picture here of the light in the darkness. I told you, John loves this image. It says here in verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. This is Jesus. And people love the darkness rather than the light. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, here's the key, lest his works should be exposed. His light, his truth exposes the foolishness and the darkness of this world. Verse 21, whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. I will tell you, never in my life has it been harder to find out what is true than today. Like, sometimes it feels impossible to find out the truth. Because you can send me an article about something today, I will find you an article that says the exact opposite the next day, right? Like, what is truth anymore? But hear this, as we believe... As we shift our attention and our focus to the light and walk in the light, we walk in truth. Here's what happens. The Proverbs call this wisdom. The light exposes the darkness. The light shines forth our path to righteousness. And what happens is the light exposes the foolishness of the questions of the world. And that's what Christ does here with the Pharisees. He exposes the foolishness of the questions they're asking. And friends, I would just be real honest. Many times the questions and the things we're asking simply do not matter. But we're walking in so much darkness, we're consumed with things that don't matter. But if we walk in the light, the things in this world grow strangely dim, right? And we walk in truth. We walk in what matters. We walk in wisdom. Listen, wisdom is in short supply these days. Listen, knowledge, information are coming out of our ears. We have so much stuff that we know, but we have no wisdom. And this is the fruits of a world, of a culture that's been overcome with darkness. 
You see it all over the place. It's a world obsessed with benign and silly and foolish things. And many times the church just kind of follows that path of darkness. When we know the source of life and salvation and truth. So in short, if you get nothing else today, get this. Jesus is the light that brings life, salvation, and truth. Jesus is the light that brings life, salvation, and truth. In this beautiful picture, we see this picture of life, salvation, and truth. But we close today with this question. What do we do with that? My hope is that we see this beautiful picture of Christ, this beautiful picture of our Savior, and our hearts are turned. Our hearts are moved. The Holy Spirit right now is convicting and inspiring us to change. But we see here kind of two responses. In verse 24, this is for those who do not believe. This warning. He says here once again, I told you you would die in your sins unless you believe. Quite simply, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if, if you are just kind of, uh, if you don't believe in Jesus. Take away the church stuff for a moment. At the end of the day, every single man, woman, and child has to answer this question. What will you do with Jesus? With the God-man who lived on this, on this earth, lived the perfect life, who died and rose again three days later, later and ascended to the Father. You have to have an answer for that man right there. And the warning from Christ is this right here. If you do not believe, you will die in your sins. Now, for those who do believe, who affirm and say yes to the light, look at verse 12 again. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There's two things there. Whoever follows me, that is not a one-time decision that you did when you're eight years old. As you see all throughout the gospel, there is this day-to-day following of Jesus, this day-to-day death of our lives. But the issue is this right here. Our issue is a focus issue. Our issue is a focus issue. Are your eyes, is your heart, is your attention, is the focus in your life on the darkness or the light? Hear this, there's not a third way. It's either darkness or there's light. Look at verse 16. And we see a picture here of the Pharisees. He says, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Verse 23. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. This is kind of the core of the focus issue. That our focus is on ourselves and the things of the world. And hear this, when that is our primary focus, that is a focus on darkness. When that happens, we miss the forest for the trees. And here's what I mean. It is good and it is right for us to care about our children. We should do that. But when our children become our source of light and life, we've walked in darkness. 
What does it say in Matthew 6? We must seek his kingdom first, and then all these things shall be added unto him. A focus on ourselves is quite simply pride. It's quite simply pride. We're overly concerned with ourselves. And a focus on this world and the things of this world is quite simply foolishness. Because we should know by now the things of this world cannot fix or satisfy our weary souls. Because they're not the source of life, salvation, and truth. We're going to the wrong source. Here is a sign that you're walking in darkness. There is an over-reliance on things to provide you with joy and fulfillment. Or an over-concern about yourself and a lack of concern for others. When you see that in your life, you're walking in pharisaical darkness. In which you can follow every single rule. Do all the external things, yet still be walking in hopelessness and darkness. Because your eyes, your focus is on the darkness and not the beauty of the light of Jesus. So for us today, we must reckon with where is our focus. We must ask the Father, where is my focus? Holy Spirit, convict me of those unseen things where my focus is not on Christ. But then we must focus on the light. Look at verse 28. And we see this, this great example in the life of Jesus. Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Keeps going. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. You see this beautiful union with God the Father and God the Son. And for us to see our focus shift to this great light, we must shift our attention, our focus to union with Christ. This is our only hope, is union with Christ. That is where we receive power, right? He says it right here in in verse 31, the same chapter. It says here, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, remain in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So, so Jason, how do we walk today in this, in this kind of union? I'm going to give you two things. The first is humility. It's humility. It's the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. This is childlike faith where we humble ourselves and say, I do not have all the answers. I do not know everything. My good works aren't simply good enough. My only hope is to humble myself and look to my Savior. So humility is the first thing. Second is devotion. I will tell you, I've had friends in all kinds of different um, denominations in our faith. The key ingredient to seeing someone who really walks with God is humility and devotion. We should have good theology. Yes and amen. But I have seen folks with screwy theology that have humility and devotion do incredible things for God's kingdom. In humility, we say that we need Jesus. In devotion, we simply worship him. 
We simply say, I have found the greatest treasure in the earth, in the world, and nothing else matters. You know when you're a teenager and, uh, and you have your friends and y'all all say the same, like, dumb jokes and you watch the same dumb movies and my parents would talk to me I sound just like my other five friends there is this almost we're enmeshed with one another in relationship and we can't help but live and think and talk like these people were young in a sense that's what union with Christ looks like that we are so infatuated with him that we spend so much time with him that we can't help but act and talk and love and think like him but it simply requires devotion but friends hear this as we put up the two pictures this morning the picture of the darkness of this world the foolishness of this world the smallness of this world and the majesty of the light of Jesus, the source of life, salvation, and truth. What else should we humble ourselves and devote our lives to? There is nothing out in this world that is worth your life outside of the light of Jesus. And hear this, when we live this kind of devotional life, this enmeshed union with him, it says here, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Expect pain. Jesus obeyed to the point of the cross. And hear this, friends. As we're enmeshed in our union with Christ, he is going to send us to do painful things. But we will never be alone. We will never walk in hopelessness. We'll walk in the power of the light of the gospel. So let's land the plane. Application today. Like what do you do today in response to this text? The first, if you are not a believer in Jesus, hear this, come to the light today. Not tomorrow, repent and believe in the gospel today. If that is you in this room, we're gonna pray in a minute. I would love to pray with you in the back. Or just write on your car that you want to talk about Christ and the Christian faith. Let us walk with you through running to the light. Now, if you are a believer today, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Shift your focus. Shift your focus. Will you pull your card out for me real quick? Because I want to hold you accountable to this. To shift your focus. If you're like me, there are habits in your day habits in your week, things that you do that drift towards darkness. Just for me personally, this is the number one thing right here. Mindless scrolling. Not terrible things, just really dumb things. A lot of solitaire, if I'm being honest with you guys right now. <laughs> Which don't, doesn't seem dark, but two hours of solitaire is pretty dark. So here's my encouragement this week. Shift your focus. What is the one tangible thing in your day and your week this week where you say, okay, when I do this, my attention, my focus, my affection drifts away from Christ. Here's what I ask you. Shift that time. Replace that time and spend it reading God's word. Spend it praying for a brother or sister in Christ. Pray for me. I don't care. Pray for your kids. Spend it listening to worship music, listening to a sermon, something to shift your focus, your devotion, your attention to him. So on the card, write your thing. And here's why. I, I want you to write this because it becomes real to you. 
that Tuesdays at six, you do this right here. And this week, you're not gonna do that. At Tuesday at six, you're gonna read God's word. Whatever your thing is, write it down so we can pray for you. That you would truly this week begin to shift your focus away from the darkness of this world and towards the light of Jesus. So let us know how you're going to hold yourself accountable. Let us pray for you this week. Write it on your card. You can put it in the back when you leave today. So how are you going to shift your focus this week? And now we end with communion. This beautiful reminder of the light of our salvation, right? The source of our salvation, the body and the blood of Christ. Now, now listen, at our church, we invite every person here to take communion. You do not have to be a member of our church to take communion. But hear this, you do need to be a member of God's church. You must be a follower of Jesus. If that is not you, that's okay, but this is not for you. Just sit this one out, sit there and just talk to God or come press mine in the back if you'd like. But this is for Christians only. And just to give a few directions, a little bit new, after I pray, whenever you're ready, you will come and you'll get your little supply cup and wafer. And at your own seat, we're not going to direct you. Whenever you're ready, you will partake in the body of Christ that is broken for you and the blood of Christ that was shed for you. This great reminder of the light of our salvation. We pray. Dear Lord, thank you for thank you for the hope of the gospel. Lord, I pray that today that your spirit, yes, does convict us of the darkness that we run to but also let your spirit help us to see with eyes of the beauty of who you are. Let us be captured by your glory in such a way that running from our sin is almost a no-brainer. That our sins, we see them for what they are, foolish things. Lord, speak to us now. Let us respond with faith worship, and obedience. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen.